Welcome to the Online Fraudcast. I'm Brett Johnson. Prior to several years ago, I was a fraudster, committed several different types of fraud online, ended up on the Secret Service Most Wanted list. I spent some time in prison, and since that point, I've dedicated my career to helping businesses and consumers protect themselves against the people like I used to be. Now, you might have noticed already that something is amiss. Truth is, Carice and I had created this wonderful, great episode. If, you've, if you're a fan of Spinal Tap on a scale of 1 to 10, this episode was an 11. Yes, it was an 11. However, when I sent it over to the editor, he sends me a note back about an hour later saying, Hey, uh, the only voice on this podcast is yours, Brett. So I, <laughs> I was like, okay, what, what on earth is going on here? So I loaded up the podcast and listened, and sure enough, it was nothing but Brett Johnson waxing on about nothing in general and everything in particular. So uh, after that, Carice, I informed her she was, she was not happy. But she had to start traveling, and I'm traveling as well, so we had to do a solo podcast. I suggested a solo one, and she says, hey, why don't you do that? Well, that was not exactly what I meant. I was hoping she would do the solo podcast, but hey, here I am. So if you'll put up with me, we're going to talk about a few different topics today, a little something a little different than what we usually do. Uh, before we begin with that, we're going to start with uh, an update on last week's episode, um, and she wrote this. She actually writes an, an entire script for this this podcast. She kind of wrote one for this, sold one for me as well. And she's like, "I don't think you'll follow it." And I'm like, "You're absolutely right. I probably won't. I just don't have that type of attention span, to be honest with you." But she left a couple of notes, and I'm going to read those notes verbatim so that I'm sure I don't miss out on anything. So here we go. Before I dive into what I wanted to talk to you guys about today, we wanted to share a little more info that came to us about the new fraud tactic we discussed last week. Within a couple of hours of releasing the episode, one of our loyal listeners contacted Carice, and they had a good discussion about this new fraud tactic. And here are two things to take note of. Now, before we go into those two notes, just to kind of a recap, the fraud tactic we're talking about is whitelisting from a criminal point of view. And, and I understand that all the good guys out there, when I say whitelist, you're not going to, it's a completely different meaning than the criminal when he says whitelisting. When a criminal says that what we're talking about is the criminal having a device or an address or something flagged within the entire system that makes the order look legitimate. And this specific fraud, what was going on is some people were having uh, items shipped to them, they were receiving items that were low cost items that, you know, like socks, cheap pair of shoes, something like that. And they had never ordered them. And of course, the company that sent them out, the company's like, hey, whoa, 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 what, what, what's going on? How is there fraud here? Where's the fraud? Where are fraudsters actually making money on this? And the, the answer comes up in this. So the answer is that, sh that shoe company, that athletic shoe company, they are part of this fraud consortium. So they're part of the fraud consortium, but there's probably a hundred different companies that are that are actually a part of this fraud consortium as well. So if I am a carter, a credit card thief, and I'm looking to place an order, so I know that the shoe company is part of this consortium. I also know that this company that sells laptops and cell phones and everything else is part of this fraud consortium. If I use stolen credit card data and immediately try to defraud that company that sells laptops, the chances of that going through is pretty slim at that point. I'm using a brand new device to try to get the order through. That's a fraud flag. So what I need to do as a criminal, I need to somehow get that device flagged as somewhat legitimate within their system. And the way that I do that is I, I find who the fraud consortium is, then I pull up the client list, go through the clients, find some client on there, some customer like an athletic shoe company that's a low fraud flag customer. So I go in there and then once I'm in the site, I find an item that's not going to raise a lot of flags. It's going to be well below any type of fraud dollar amount. 
pair of socks, something like that. Now, I order the pair of socks in order to further reduce fraud from there. I have the socks actually sent to the cardholder's address. All right, so that that's all that I do there. Now, I do that for one thing in particular. The only thing I'm looking for is so that that new device that I'm using is now considered legitimate within the entire anti-fraud consortium, including by that company or that merchant that sells laptops, cell phones, things like that. That... Once that happens, once I place the order, then I can go over to this other merchant that sells cell phones and laptops. I can place an order with them and have it shipped to an alternate address. The device, at that point, what happens is you merchant, there's a screen on there where they're part of this consortium. The screen says, hey, there was an order in the past that it looks, it was legitimate. It's not a problem. So everything feels warm and fuzzy from that laptop provider. They go ahead and ship the product to an alternate address. That is the fraud that takes place. Now there are certain that that there's rifts on that as well. Those rifts are, of course, you can you can order a laptop directly to someone's address and then try to divert shipment or talk the person in to call up the person. You spoof a phone number of the of the company that you had it shipped from. You say, "Hey, uh, we shipped it out to you by accident. We're going to send you a mail label and have a UPS come by and pick it up for you." Stuff like that as well. All right. So that being said. The two points of, uh, of consideration that Carice and one of our loyal listeners was talking about. Point one, the listener pointed out that depending on the implementation of a fraud provider, if there's JavaScript embedded on the site, a lot of times someone can identify which company is being pinged for fraud prevention and verification. That is true. Certainly if, if Java is there, Java works kind of both ways. You can uh, Java exposes IP addresses of fraudsters. It also... Um, goes goes as far as to label things like who your fraud provider is in some cases. So that that is certainly true. Now that being said, it's uh, a lot of fraudsters don't have that knowledge. I mean, a lot of these guys are just simply social engineers. They don't really understand the technology involved in a lot of things other than understanding the technology enough to commit fraud. And they're, they're well versed on that. So a lot of the times you don't have to go even that far. You just pull up the fraud providers website and they list their customers there. They list all these merchants and they do that so they can get even more customers. It's, it's one of these benefits of, of having a company like that. You sign on enough customers and a potential customer comes on a merchant and says, oh, he works with all, this company, works with all these companies. I'll go ahead and sign on to them. So it's, it's going to be there and there's nothing that's going to happen with that. The second note, also, as far as it seems, like this quote unquote whitelisting fraud is primarily a tactic impacting rules-based systems. Real-time machine learning fraud systems can identify anomalies faster, like same device across multiple platforms, same new device across multiple platforms, different billing addresses, emails, shipping addresses, etc. This isn't to say that you should all switch to case management systems right now, or all switch to different case systems managements right now. But if you're experiencing fraud orders that are shipping to the cardholder, know that adding an extra layer of real-time machine learning could help identify these trends much faster and will create a model around this behavior so you don't have to set rules that could create a lot of false positive. Absolutely true. The key words there are real-time, real-time. And and here's the thing with, with machine learning. If a fraudster or, or some sort of hacker or something like that, if, if a fraudster can go in and he can just 
come in and, and adhere to the under the baseline of that machine learning, come in basically under the bar of what that, that machine learning is looking for, it makes an account takeover, an ATO, much, much easier at that point because he's already considered legitimate as far as the machine learning aspect goes. Real-time machine learning helps really circumvent that, that ability for a fraudster to do that kind of thing. The problem is, is that a lot of companies out there, that they have machine learning, but it's not real-time. A lot of companies, and, and I, I deal with a couple that are, that are outstanding companies, a lot of companies have real-time machine learning. It's great. But some of these other companies, they see that, you know, the, the, the promise and the customers are really interested in real-time machine learning. And they're like, hey, we, we can use that term as well. And they have machine learning, but maybe it only updates once a week or some cases once a month. If that's happening, it is completely, I'm going to tell you right now, it is completely useless. That gives that week for a fraudster to mine out every single product, service, account that you've got and profit by it. So these things have to be real time and you have to be sure that they're real time because a lot of times these fraud providers that, that advertise that, they will say they will say machine learning. And then when you start asking, well, is it real time? They'll try to you know, deflect that answer or answer something that's not direct. There's only one answer and that's yes. It's not well or it's not, well, you know, we do this and this and this. No, 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 no. It's yes or no. Is it real time? If the answer is yes, I like that. Understand that even with, with machine learning, all these fraud companies are not the final answer on things. Okay, So it's not like you can sign up for a fraud company and they're going to kill all fraud or that your job in protecting your company or service or family or whatever is, is done at that point. No, 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 no. It is a fraud provider or it is a security service, but you still, you still have a responsibility to practice good security measures as well. All right, so that's the two points. Moving right along, what next topic are we going to talk about? Ah, I know what we're going to talk about. Max Butler. And I wasn't even going to mention this, but Max Butler. Max Butler, when I ran Shadow Crew, when we built this uh, this entire platform that modern cybercrime still operates with by today, you know, and I'm talking about Counterfeit Library, Shadow Crew, and Carter Planet. I was responsible for, uh, for building. Me and two other guys were responsible for building Counterfeit Library and Shadow Crew. And Shadow Crew laid the foundation for the way modern cybercrime channels operate today, that type of review system, that type of almost a human ledger system, a human blockchain, if you will, of, of cybercrime, of being able to trust each other, of being able to network with each other, gauge trust, uh, gauge skill levels, knowing which products were good, knowing which weren't, knowing which uh, people you should buy from, which ones you shouldn't, knowing potentially who's law enforcement or security or something like that. So we built that with uh, with Shadow Crew and Carter Planet. Not that I'm proud of that at all. I just stating the fact. That's exactly what happened. Carter Planet comes in and basically they they redefine the types of crimes that we were doing. So they get us involved with credit theft and account takeovers. We were already doing account takeovers with banks and stuff like that. But Carter Planet comes in and redefines and brings that whole entire credit spectrum in and everything. So we were identity based and, and bank based and everything at that point in time, uh, scamming doing account takeovers and Carter Planet brings in the entire spectrum of uh, credit at that point. And of course, as, as things are ending for all three of these groups, as law enforcement is basically closing in, we start seeing the advent of uh, you know malware coming in, uh, more sophisticated techniques of, of hacking and, and intrusion. So Max Butler was one of these people that was an associate of mine. Max Butler is featured in the book Kingpin by Kevin Polson. Kevin Polson, I was actually in prison when Polson wrote it. 
Poulsen as an editor over at Wired Magazine, and uh, Kevin had uh, had written an article about Max Butler and me that was featured in Wired Magazine, and then from that he decides he wants to go out and write a book about Max Butler. In, in Kingpin, Max Butler is the protagonist, and I guess you could say that I'm the antagonist in that book as well. So <laughs> the interesting thing is that Kevin, again, he makes him the protagonist. He actually comes up with a... Uh, with kind of a, you know, a, oh, he's not really that bad of a guy type of slant in the book. And I, when I talked to Kevin, I refused to do an interview for the book, but I did do an interview for the, the magazine article, and Kevin took a lot of the information uh, from that interview, and he used it in the book as well. So when I, when I was talking to Kevin, I told him, I was like, you know, Max is not, is not a, good, a good guy. He has never been a good guy. You know, he, he's this ruthless criminal online that if you cross him, he will go to all lengths to make sure that you pay for your transgression. And some of those links I, I, I detailed, Max was very good. If, if someone crossed him, he would he would go so far as to try to send illegal items out to the person and then call, call law enforcement on them and try to get them arrested. Those legal items could be drugs, they could be illegal pornography, any number of things is what Max would do. Max goes on to start his own website called Carter's Market. And again, Max was a pretty, pretty darn good hacker as well. And we don't see a lot of actual hackers in cybercrime. 98% of everyone is just a, uh, just a social engineer. But Max was a very good hacker. He, he broke into several different systems. He had actually uh, stolen <laughs> access to Half-Life 2 at one point. And uh, once he got out of that, he, uh, he found a breach for federal government. And he claims that, well, I was just trying to show them that it was wide open and no one would listen to me. So he gets a prison term for that. He gets out of that trouble, comes out and partners with Shadow Crew and starts committing credit card fraud. Steals, I don't know, somewhere between 17 million and 60 million credit card numbers opens up Carter's market, starts trying to sell these things, and he is selling them, and he gets paranoid. He gets so paranoid that what this this guy, I call him I call him a kid a lot, but he wasn't a kid at that point. He was, he was a man. He was a grown man. So he gets so paranoid at that point that he actually hacks into every single criminal forum on the planet at that point, takes them over, informs all the members, hey, I've shut everyone down. Now the only site you've got to come to is Carter's Market. Well, what the idiot didn't realize is that some of the sites that he shut down were ran by law enforcement. So needless to say, he got on their bad side pretty quickly. He ends up getting arrested. Um, a contact of mine, um, a man who I respect greatly, who has helped me to no end on the good side of the fence. I mean, he is uh, he is instrumental in, in making sure that I am uh, that I became a legal person. And I had the means to be legal. Keith Malarski of the FBI. Keith Malarski assumed this, this, this uh, cyber criminal identity called Master Splinter of Ninja Turtles fame. And uh, he becomes an admin on the Carter's Market site. I was an admin on there as well at one point. He becomes an admin on there and basically he, he gets his target. Max Butler arrests the guy. And I think uh, Max Butler ended up with 18 years, something like that. Uh, of course, the book Kingpin talks about how, oh, Max Butler's helping the feds. You know, oh, well, he's 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 really he's really repentant, and it looks like he's gonna he's gonna be a great guy when he gets out. And oh, everything's just fine. You know, he's really not a bad guy at all. Well, the truth of the matter is, last week Max Butler, while serving prison time, while serving, he wasn't due to be released until 2023. While serving prison time, this guy, this kid, this man, what does he do? He gets indicted. He gets indicted for nine more felonies, wire fraud, conspiracy, all this other stuff. What was he doing? Turns out that he got a cell phone inside of a federal prison, which is a huge, a huge no-no. So he gets a cell phone inside of a federal prison, uses a cell phone to access the internet, 
get some stolen credit cards, uses, uses the stolen credit cards to fund his buddy's commissary accounts in prison. Not, not only that, mind you, not only that, but he starts orchestrating and running an entire drone conspiracy. That's right. He, he, he manages to get someone out on the outside to buy a drone, and he's using the drone to drop goods inside of the prison fence. Cell phones, and now of course the article says cell phones, but the article talks about all the stuff that could have been. Now, I'm, I have served prison time. I have seen that drone stuff before. Let me tell you what's dropped in. Cell phones are dropped in. Uh, drugs are dropped in. All these other just highly, highly illegal things are dropped in. Potentially weapons are dropped in. Uh, you can orchestrate escapes using drones, any number of things. And yeah, I know about escapes because I have escaped from prison. So he was doing all this kind of stuff from inside a prison. I'm going to tell you, it's not hard. It is not difficult to obey the rules in prison. It's not. I mean, everything's orchestrated for you. you you're given so much toilet paper. You, you, you have a regimented life. You get up at this time. You go to bed at this time. You stand up every single day at 4 p.m. to count so that everyone knows that you're there. You're told when to eat, when to drink, when to use the restroom, everything else, when to go to work, when to come home, everything. It's not hard. He just, this, this guy, man, I, I'm, I'm mad about it. I'm mad. I, uh, I guess I look at what he's doing and I, uh, I figure that I, I'm not that far away or I wasn't that far away from being in that exact same spot. I could have easily, I could have easily been Max Butler in that. And I was just fortunate enough that, uh, that I wanted to change. I mean, I, I read that article about Max being indicted for another nine felonies. And I know, so he was, he was slated to be released in 2023. Now he's going to have probably 10 more years tacked onto his sentence. He's 46 right now. 46. So another 16. So he's in his sixties. He's in his sixties when he gets out. I mean, what on earth, what on earth is going on there? So, and not only that, but he goes to a higher security prison. So, and, and when you go to a higher security prison, you get many more violent in, inmates at that point. It, the, the nature of the, of the prison itself changes you as you go up in security, it gets more and more violent. So he's going to, he's going to have to go with that. He's going to uh, he's going to serve probably eight or nine months in solitary confinement because of that. I mean, this is this is what he chose to do, and I don't feel sorry for the guy. I do not feel sorry for the guy. I just uh, I look at him and I'm like, why on earth, man? Why on earth? I had uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good these days as a consultant and a, and a speaker. And I had uh, I've helped a couple of guys that are that come out of prison. And, you know, you could tell they're repentant. You could tell that, you know, they, they understand the damage that they've done. And I've helped a couple guys and I was thinking, I was like, you know, Max will be out in 2023. I, I should be in a pretty good enough position at that point. If everything continues as it is right now, I should be in a pretty good position that I can actually, you know, because I know what it's like when someone gets out of prison. I know that you can't get a job that, that, you know, all this other stuff is out there and it's almost impossible to find work. And the chances of you recidivating of going back and committing crime is pretty high. So I was like, you know, I, maybe I can help the kid. Or the guy, the man. <laughs> maybe I could, you know, maybe I could do what I can to make sure he doesn't go back as people help me out. But, you know, I, I see this. Nine more felonies. He's not repentant. He's not learned anything. <sighs> Honestly, the best thing for him is to serve another decade in prison or more. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to say, I, I, and again, I'm just angry. But I guess that I'm just not, uh, that I know that uh, I could have ended up in that same position. I'm grateful, but at the same time, I'm just, I'm sickened by it all. So I just wanted to get that out. <laughs> so let's let's turn it into something maybe a little bit lighter at this point. Uh, a friend of mine, Aaron Sherman, he's a former FBI out of Salt Lake City. 
He is currently uh, running a division over at Braintrace, and Braintrace out of uh, Utah is an outstanding company, an absolutely outstanding company. And Aaron Sherman himself is, uh, I am proud to call that man my friend. He is, uh, he is an outstanding individual. So recently he gave an interview, and the interview was about uh, United States Postal Service informed delivery. <laughs> informed delivery. Now, what I mean by that, for anyone who doesn't know, informed delivery, you go to USPS.com, you sign up, and it gives you pictures or scans of all the pieces of, of mail that's going to arrive at your home every day. That is a great, great service if you're signed up for it. If you're not signed up, it, it is a great, great service for criminals. And, and Aaron, during this interview, illustrated all that. Because you see, in the United States, everything is based on KBA, knowledge-based authentication questions. If you have the answers to the questions, you can take over any account that you want to or open up any account that you want to. And Aaron was showing how easy it is to sign up for informed delivery on anyone else's account that he wants to sign up for. If someone's not signed up for it, they ask you a few security questions like, you know, mother's maiden, what cross street did you live on? Blah, 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 blah. It's easy enough for a criminal to pull that information. It takes all of five or 10 minutes to pull that type of information up. He answers the questions correct. Then he has informed delivery and he knows every single piece of mail that you've got. So what does that mean? Well, that means that if your income taxes check is coming, he knows that it's there before you're able to get to it. If same thing for your social security check, uh, new credit cards, debit cards, PIN numbers, anything like that. He, the criminal knows if he signs up for informed delivery before you do, he knows that it's coming. Not only that, but new account fraud. So, so new account fraud is this thing that's really increasing this year because EMV chips, those, those chips on credit cards, EMV chips have made it very difficult for criminals to actually walk into a store with a counterfeit credit card and walk out with product. They, they're simply not able yet to program those chips. So they've moved to over to CNP, this card not present fraud, online orders, catalog orders, in-store pickups, things like that. And they've started with new account fraud. So they actually pull your credit report, which is not difficult to get that. They pull your credit report, see where you've got you know, no accounts, and they start setting up accounts and having the cards sent to your address. So I have, I have done that before. I have set up new accounts. I've stolen people's credit reports and, and set up new accounts with that. Now, usually what happens is, is when you set up new account, the card's coming. You need, you need that card in hand as a criminal. That way you can go out to stores and shop. To get the card, you have to know when the card's going to arrive. And, and typically the way that used to happen is, is you would have a window. As a criminal, you know the card would arrive somewhere between four to seven days. So you'd start scoping out the address at day four through day seven. And, and you know, you'd find out what time the mail, the mail runs. And once it runs, you'd go to the mailbox. Is there, a, is there a card there? And sometimes you would do that for three days in a row before the card would actually show up and you could steal it. Well, with informed delivery, you don't have to do that. With informed delivery, you can sit at home as a criminal, laying down, playing Fortnite, Call of Duty, whatever you want to play. You can play Fortnite, sign on, on to USPS informed delivery, See if the card's there or not. If the card's not there, you just go back to your Fortnite match. If the card is there, you shut everything down, go take a shower, get in the car, go pick up your card. And, and here's the way it is. It's, it's the criminal's card. It's not your card. They don't view that. When I was a criminal, I didn't view that as your card that I'm stealing. Oh, no, that's my card. It just happens to be in your name. That's the way this thing works. So Aaron gave this interview, and he was he was illustrating all this kind of stuff. And I wanted to mention that to all of our listeners, that, that this... USPS informed delivery. This is something that if you're not signed up for it, if you are not signed up for it, you need to sign up for it because if you don't, the chances of a criminal doing that is pretty good at that point. All right. So please, please go ahead and sign up for 
USPS informed delivery. And please as well, I know it's more work and most people aren't gonna do this, but we need to to start really complaining about how this, this, this country is based on KBA, this knowledge-based authentication questions. Here's the deal, everyone's information is out there. There's no such thing as your information not being there. The only reason you may not have been victimized yet is simply there's not enough criminals to handle all the information yet. But they're coming. They are coming. These numbers continue to increase. When I ran Shadow Crew, we ended with 4,000 members. When Ale Alexander Kazas was, was popped last year and his website, Alphabet, was shut down, that one website had 240,000 members. These numbers continue to increase. That was one website. These numbers continue to increase. So please, please, we need to start really complaining about knowledge-based authentication. We need to, if we don't have these accounts registered like informed delivery, please, please register that. That way a criminal is not able to do that in, in, in place of you and take advantage of it. All right, so that's that's my other topic for today. Finally, because of the mail stuff, I, I wrote a blog a couple of weeks ago about this ring doorbell system, and I'm sure everyone's seen the commercials on TV. You know, you've got the, uh, it's it's ring doorbell, we stuck porch by the pirate's dead. And you've got a commercial on there that, you know, two thieves walk up to a porch, and one thief stops the other, and he's like, wait a second, they've got the ring doorbell system. And then the other thief is like, what should we do? And then a voice comes on because the, the camera on the ring doorbell system is piped into the homeowner's cell phone and the homeowner is out on vacation or wherever that homeowner is. And the homeowner says over the, over the intercom of the ring doorbell system, I don't know about you guys, but if I were you, I'd start running. Well, you know what? Ever since that commercial came up, I have been angry about it. Just, just upset. And I didn't really know why until I'm over in Santa Clara, California, and I'm giving this uh, this webinar for a bank there, and great bank, great people and everything else, Silicon Valley Bank. I mean, just the, the most extraordinary people that uh, some of the best people that I've ever met over at that bank. And before the actual webinar uh, started recording or anything, I, one of the people that were there mentions that they have the ring doorbell system. She says that she's very happy with it. And right there, it hit me why I was so angry at these commercials, why I was so upset. I would, I mean, I would literally sit there and scream at the TV, ah, that's, that's not the way that works. And I really didn't understand why <laughs> until, until she says it and all clicks together. I, I look over and I was like, hey, uh, you want to know, uh, you like that system? And she was like, oh yeah, I love it. I was like, uh, you want to know how I would, uh, what I would do if, if you had a ring doorbell and I, there was a package on your porch. And she's like, what's that? And I was like, here's the way this actually works. I said, first of all, you just told me that you had to move the, the or set up the, the ring doorbell because it was actually pinging video on every single car that drove by on the street. So you have to get the, 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 the ring system to where it's only shooting what's happening on the porch. And she's like, yeah, it drives you crazy. I'm like, I know it does. It would anyone. A constant video of every single car that drives by or person that walks by on the street. Oh, no. Oh, no. That, that's that's just a waste. So you have to set it up where it's just recording the porch. So what I would do is I, I'm cruising the neighborhood. Say I've got drops set up. I'm receiving packages. And I drive by your house one day. And you've got a 65-inch color television sitting on the porch. It's Christmas time. You've ordered that or a laptop or a cell phone or anything like that. So I drive by. I see the package. Next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to drive by that house again slower, but I'm going to be casing it out. I'm going to be looking for, is anyone home? Probably not because you've got an expensive package on the, on the doorstep. Also, do you have that ring system? Oh, you do. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead, that second pass, I'm going to notice that ring doorbell system. I'm going to drive up, a, you know, 50, 60 feet in front of that house, you know, so that way that car is out of the camera distance. 
then I'm going to be wearing a, a ball cap, a hoodie, whatever, because I'm coming to pick up packages anyway. So I want to make sure that I'm somewhat obscured. Ball cap, hoodie's great. I'm going to get out of the vehicle. I'm going to start approaching the house. I'm going to pull the ball cap down, put the hoodie up, whatever it is. Look down, go up and get my TV that's on your porch, because at that point, it's my TV. It's my laptop. It's my cell phone. It just happens to be on your porch. You just happen to order it. And what I'm going to do is, as, as I'm walking away, I may hunker down and wave to you at that ring system. Now, yeah, you're, you may be able to see every bit of this that's taking place in real time, but you don't have a positive idea of the person. You don't have a positive idea of the car. You don't have time enough before I can get out of the neighborhood. You don't have time enough to call the police and have them down there to do anything. And guess what? The neighborhood you're in, these days we live in a, in a world where neighbors don't pay attention to each other. A lot of them pull their front blinds. A lot of them don't know what's going on outside their house at all. So the chances of me getting away... 100%. It's going to happen. And I said, that is what I would do if you had a ring doorbell system. I wrote a blog report, blog article about this as well. And of course, it got her so bad. It got everybody in the room like, oh, wow. And one guy was like, tells you he was a criminal. I was like, former, former criminal. But that's exactly how that happens. So, you know, I want people to understand with the ring system, I'm, I'm not against it, but just to understand what it actually is. It's a video system that you can actually see people coming on the porch. It doesn't stop crime. Someone that is determined to pick up a package on a porch or break into a house or something like that, they're going to do that anyway. And as Aaron, my buddy Aaron Sherman out of Utah working for Braintrace, as he pointed out as an addendum to this, this blog report that I wrote, that's just the, the, the brute force way to do things. A criminal, it's very, very easy because all that stuff is it's not wired in as a, as a security system. It's wireless. So it's very, very easy to interrupt that wireless signal to stop the camera from recording, to stop that video from going to the homeowner's cell phone. It's very easy to interrupt that. So it, it's this is the thing that, that people need to understand. When you see advertisements like that, consider whether that advertisement is just a marketing ploy or whether it's actually doing what it says it will do. Ring is a good security camera that can still be interrupted pretty easily, but it doesn't deter. It really will not deter a determined criminal whatsoever. So please take that into, into consideration. Further advice, and we're going to wrap this episode up after this further advice. It is Christmas time. Yes, sir, it is. Ho, ho, ho. And ho, ho, ho for criminals as well. Uh, one of my buddies, I'm getting ready to go to Turkey for a conference, and one of my buddies posted a thing of uh, several different pieces of advice for people out during the Christmas season. And I'm going to go through those and give you my opinion on each one. Uh, first one is, if it looks, smells, or feels too good to be true, it probably is. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you, if you think you're getting a deal on something, a hard-to-find item that you can't find anyplace else but someone online or some, someone on eBay or Amazon has it, chances of that being too good to be true, oh yeah, absolutely it is. Uh, second piece, with a credit card in hand, look for that security certificate and check it. Yeah. Absolutely. But understand that even with looking at that security certificate and checking it, you've got these things called like domains, Unicode registered domains. Like I own anglerfish.com with, with an English eye, but I can register a Unicode domain. It'll, it'll come with, with a security certificate that says anglerfish.com, except it doesn't have the dot above the eye. So while that piece of advice is a, is a handy piece of advice, it is not the be all end all pieces of advice. It is not. I, I don't think it's very good about protecting you. Uh, shop where you trust, although trust is speculative in these days. Absolutely. Shop where you trust. If you've got some brand new store that just kind of pops up there that has these products at a, at a really good price or products that you can't find again, again anywhere else, I would not. I would, I would really do a lot of research to try to consider if that site, store, what have you is legitimate. To give you an idea, I'm looking at buying a, a Seiko watch for Christmas 
and it's a hard to find Seiko watch. And uh, I found it. I found it on this website. And hey, that website looked good. They had like 10 of these things, 10 of them. Well, you know what? 10 of them when it's hard to find any of them. Seiko discontinued the thing last year. I started doing my research. Well, it turns out that site is a scam site. Absolutely, it is. It takes them 30 days. They say, well, you know, it takes up 30 days for you to get your watch. That's 30 days that they can go ahead and get that credit card payment deposited to their bank and walk away with it. So, again, only deal with sites that, you're, that you trust and have dealt with in the past. Free Wi-Fi is like peeing in public. Everyone can see what you do. Absolutely. I do not. I do not use free Wi-Fi, and I do not advocate anyone using free Wi-Fi at a shopping mall, at a conference, hotel, anything else. No, 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 no. Don't do that. The chances of a uh, of an attack happening or your information being compromised, very, very good at that point. So please do not do that. All your passwords should not be the same. I preach that. And we all know that the listeners out there, your passwords are probably the same. Use a password manager, please. LastPass, OnePass, whatever that is, use a password manager. I promise, I promise that the chances of you being compromised or being victimized by someone like I used to be will decrease at that point. So please use a password manager. Nigerian bankers, closing your accounts, act now. Oh, yeah, yeah. So be careful about Nigerians, all these specious emails that come through. Uh, check, double check, and check again. Absolutely. So banking routing information, store sites, uh, Bitcoin wallet addresses, all this other stuff. Always, if you're if you're sending out information, if you're sending out cash, access, information, anything at all like that, always please, please check and double check to make sure everything is legitimate and everything as it should be. If, if there's something that has been changed, do not. Do not give up information. Do not give up cash. Anything else like that. Uh, new gadgets. Change the default password. 41%. 41% of all routers on the planet have the exact, have, have the default password. Because of that, because of that, crime flourishes. So please, on all items, cell phones, all those IoT devices at the house, everything else, please change passwords on that. 10% is not worth handing your personal data over. We've all done that, haven't we? We go to the store, it's got, hey, you sign on for our app and you just give up some information, we'll give you 15% extra. You know what? It's not worth it. The uh, the amount of uh, spam mail you may get, either legitimate or illegitimate at that point, any number of things like that, just by giving up your information, it's not worth that 10%. So please reconsider that. Turn off Wi-Fi and Bluetooth when shopping at the mall. Here's the deal. We're not going to do that. I don't do that. I'm, I, I'm the guy that used to steal all this stuff, and I, I use Bluetooth religiously for my vehicle and everything else. That's not going to happen. Uh, I know it's a good piece of advice, but it's it's not realistic to think that people are going to do that. So, But please be aware that that is an avenue of compromise, and you can be compromised in that manner. Think about using mobile payments. Absolutely. Absolutely. Think about using mobile payments. Instead of getting your card out and swiping or inserting that chip, giving someone a a chance to capture that data. Um, mobile payment services, Google Pay, Samsung Pay, Apple Pay, those are outstanding. The caveat is, is if it's a new mobile payment service, please understand that if you have a new mo mobile payment service that's just launched, basically all the users there, they are beta testers. They are beta testers. That service, I can promise you, is going to be eaten alive with fraud. So please understand that, okay, and act accordingly to only use trusted ones again. Think before you click those in-store apps, etc. I agree. Um, there's no real no reason to have a lot of in-store apps. Uh, from a fraud point of view, if I'm a fraudster, I'm actually wanting to install in-store apps because it makes it much easier for orders to go through at that point. All right. So that, my friends, was the topics that I was wanting to discuss today. Anything else to talk about? 
Carice wants to thank every single person out there, and I agree. Thank you so much for listening to us, and please continue to listen to us. Uh, this is a solo episode from me, Brett Johnson, of course. I'm positive that uh, Carice will have the opportunity in the future to do a solo episode of her own. If not, I'm going to make sure she does, absolutely. So that's it for our episode today. Thank you for joining us. I hope you've learned a lot. Carice and I will be back next week. And we've got so many more of these topics to cover to help protect yourself and your company from fraud. So please subscribe to the Online Fraudcast to be alerted to when a new episode is out. And please tell your friends, rate and review where you can so that others can learn about these topics as well. We want to hear what you love so much about the podcast and what you don't. So if you have if you have suggestions on what you would like to hear, what you'd like us to change, please, please let us know. We need to improve on all these things, and we need to know what type of topics you would like to hear us discuss. You can find us online at Online Fraudcast on Facebook, on our website, www.onlinefraudcast.com. Find us individually on LinkedIn or email us at info at onlinefraudcast.com. Until next time, stay informed, stay vigilant, and stay secure.